Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Screen the Screener College Basketball listeners out there. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we're talking everything college hoops all the time and occasionally some other topics. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for carving out the time during your busy week. We totally appreciate it. You could have been anywhere else on the dial, but you chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. And we, boy, we appreciate that. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mid-Major Podcast. So glad to have you tuned in. You're going to have Gus going solo on you here, just to give you a rundown of the Mid-Major landscape of the past week. So there's a couple of things we want to hit on right away. Uh, we wanted to say uh, thank you to uh, our special guests this weekend. If you're looking for a little bracketology, please pull up that podcast. We have uh, we try to give you as much information as we possibly could without you know shortchanging the rest of our uh, personal and professional lives here. Uh, we just wanted to say thank you if you're looking for some bracketology stuff in, in uh, I don't know in advance of the February 11th uh, bracket release show where they have the uh, top 16 teams. Tune that podcast in. It is pretty cool. We get into a whole bunch of different things there uh, with our friend Jonathan at Bracketologist3. Uh, if you're looking to give the show, uh, I don't know, get interactive with us, hit us up on Twitter, at SDS Podcast on the Twitter uh, handle, please. Thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show via email, SDSPodcast at gmail.com. Looking for a little screen to screen or in print, please hit up Mike's nicely designed site at randallrant.com and there you can find Mike's short corner where each week he gives you a rundown of what's floating around his college basketball mind. He does an incredible job with that so please hit that up. We have some rankings up there for you and you can consume all the podcasts there as well and Mike does have some fantasy football stuff up there as well if that's uh, part of your sports interest base. Uh, listeners, let's get right into some of the games here and I'll give you a little rundown. We'll go Gus Scott next. We got Dr. Tony's trivia question. We'll give you a rundown of the uh, f- some Friday night games uh, that we're don't have our eyes on due to the time we're recording the podcast, and then some Saturday matchups as well. Of course, let's start right in the A10. How about URI? How about 13 in a row? How about a big win at UMass, 85-83? This team is absolutely rolling. They are nationally ranked. They are one of those mid-major teams that's going to get an invite, regardless of how they do in their conference tournament. So URI, nice win at uh, UMass. And this Friday, one of the games we'll talk about later, tough road game at VCU. Now, VCU's been off the national radar a bit uh, this season due to uh, transfers, uh, you know, lack of talent on the roster currently, uh, and, uh, you know, coaching change. But this might be a game that the VCU faithful has been waiting for all season. A ranked opponent comes into their building on a Friday night. Oh, boy, URI. If they're going to lose a game in the A-10, that just might be it. So that's a game to pay attention to. If that game is close in the second half, you got to turn to that game. So you or I, 13 in a row, sitting atop the A-10 standings after a nice win at UMass on the road. So we want to champion these teams that are winning games on the road because people are dropping games on the road all over the place. Speaking of dropping games on the road, that's exactly what happened in the MAC. Kent State brought the matching to, uh, at Buffalo and brought down the league leaders, 82-79. This leaves Buffalo at 16-6 overall and 7-2 in conference, and Kent State is now viable, even though they're only 12-10 overall, but they are 6-3 in conference, just a game back of Buffalo. 
And again, the Mac has the two sections, so you it gets a little fishy there. But you, if you're only a game back of a team such as Buffalo that we talked about on the podcast last last week, that looks pretty powerful. And they did this coming back from double digits at home, so they were down big to Buffalo and had to fight to get back. Danny Pippins, 21 points, 11 boards. De La Rosa does a little bit of everything for Kent State. He has 20 points, 6 boards, 5 assists. And we're going to stay in the MAC for this mid-major podcast. And we'll talk a tiny bit. Uh, Ball State getting a nice road win, unlike Buffalo could do. 75-63 over Toledo. Uh, so Toledo, that loss drops Toledo to 15-7 and 7-2 and and in the conference overall. So that loss kind of coincides with Buffalo's loss and keeps them both uh, in play there. But really what we wanted to mention is we brought up Ball State because we wanted to mention this two-overtime game, right? Last weekend, Akron goes to Ball State. They play this pretty cool, I don't know, classical-type game uh, that could be like one of those games that you look back upon. And if you were there, you could be like, oh, that's one of the best games I've ever seen in person. Or if you're watching on TV, that you can say, like, that's one of the best mid-major games I've seen all season. And Ball State wins in double overtime, 111-106. Uh, Akron's Jamon Ivey had 48 points, a little Marcus Howard-type situation there. And, uh, you know, had the ball in his hands uh, to force a third overtime. But Ball State's uh, Trey Moses disrupted Ivey and what he was trying to get accomplished on the offensive end and, and holds the lead and conserves the game for Ball State. Uh, so they win in double overtime, 111 106. And since we're talking overtime, let's go down to the MEAC, right? Where there was a three overtime game. And you just wanted to like rub your eyes and just say, like, did this really happen? Did I even watch some of this? Is this what offensive basketball uh, should look like efficiently? I don't know. But St. Peter's falls to Siena 53 57 in three overtimes. Now, look, I understand that St. Peter's, that's their MO. They slow it down. They value the possessions, really grind it down on the defensive end. I, yeah, we get it. I understand, with the, the, you know, the Peacock's philosophy, uh, how they're going to try to win some games. I, no problem with that. We champion UVA for doing that. Uh, in past years, we've uh, talked about how Wisconsin does something similar. Uh, so, you know, that, that's fine. But, man, 57-59 in three overtimes? Just to put that in perspective, James Harden? would have outscored and defeated both of them by himself with his 60-point triple-double that he put up this week in the NBA. So um, since we're talking overtime, I felt like we needed to mention um, the, I don't know, offensive struggles that St. Peter's and Siena put on in three overtimes. And uh, since we're talking overtime, let's head out west. Let's go to the Big West where uh, UC Santa Barbara gets a big overtime win at home over Hawaii, 84 82. This leaves UC Santa Barbara at 17 and 5 and 6 and 2 overall in the conference. Hawaii now stands at uh, seven. Uh, I'm sorry, 13 and 7, 4 and 3 overall in conference. Um, five straight wins for Santa Barbara in the Big West. Uh, they've won, I think, 10 at home, so they're playing really well in their home arena. Uh, they have things rolling, and our guy Max Hedinger, 25 points. He got a little help from uh, Jalen Canty, 21 points, 10 boards. You know, you see Santa Barbara and the Gauchos sitting nicely in the Big West right now. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat at home, so they're going to have to, they might have to garner a couple of road wins. But if you go in, you see Santa Barbara, that's not going to be an easy place to play. And Hawaii found that out this, this week. And, you know, we talked about some of these teams dropping road games. And you know who didn't drop a road game? 
in the mid-major landscape this particular week. One of our darlings, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee goes to Old Dominion. Both teams coming in with one loss in conference. Crucial game. Middle Tennessee wins 66-59. Nick King continues his player of the year uh, symphony that he is performing in Conference USA and has 17 and 11. Uh, Antoine Johnson has 18 points. And they have uh, Middle Tennessee has a game in hand now uh, over Old Dominion. Uh, they sit at 17 and 5 and 9 and 1 overall, where Old Dominion falls to 16 and 5, 7 and 2 overall. And they do own, Middle Tennessee does own the tiebreaker over the Western Kentucky uh, team that also is atop the standings due to the head-to-head matchup that they won earlier this year in conference. So Middle Tennessee, great road win, and now has a slight command in Conference USA. Let's head out to one of my favorite places out west, and we were trading a couple of text messages. I'm sorry, a couple of Twitters with some of the Nevada faithful out there. Thank you so much for uh, uh, chiming, chiming in. Uh, and I just want to quote one of those tweets. Quote, there's blood between Nevada and Fresno. They play each other tough every time, says at Buco M. Busso. So glad to interact with you guys. Thank you for the shout out and the heads up on how like intense this game is with Fresno and Nevada. Nevada gets the win 102-92 over Fresno. And Fresno was up two at the half here. So Nevada had to come back and right the ship and straighten out a couple of things. A couple of things to notice watching this game. Number one, Nevada struggled out of the gate. Uh, Jordan Caroline launched a couple of ill-advised early shot clock threes that were off. Uh, they had a couple of turnovers that were a little uncharacteristic early on in their offense. And you just felt like Nevada wasn't totally in sync. Obviously, what they talked about at halftime, they came out and corrected it. Um, Cody Morton filled up the stat sheet again. Uh, he had 20, 22 seven boards and uh, six assists. And just to put it in perspective, like I you know, witnessed those turnovers early in the game, Nevada finished with only five total turnovers in the game, and they had 23 assists in this game, which is a little crazy because you know Fresno State's backcourt is really active, and Fresno State um, actually challenged them by starting a couple of bigs to see what Nevada would do. Um, so nice win for Nevada. They hold serve uh, in the Mountain West, really setting up that showdown during Valentine's Day with uh, Boise State when Nevada's going to go to Boise State. So uh, you hope that Boise State can hold serve this weekend with UNLV uh, to keep the juice in that game really high level. And nice win for the Wolfpack, hashtag Battleborn. And uh, shout out to all our, our Nevada fans out there. Thank you guys for chiming in. So nice to interact with you guys. Uh, go Wolfpack. Uh, how about we'll go hit the CAA up? Big game this week uh, in the Colonial. College of Charleston heads to Northeastern, gets a great road win. These road wins in conference are always tough, folks. I don't care if it's the Big East, the Big 12, or the CAA. You're going to go into somebody else's arena and try to win on the road in, in unfamiliar and uncomfortable uh, environments. Kudos to you. Kudos to the College of Charleston. They win 69-64 over Northeastern. This leaves uh, Charleston at 17-6 overall, 8-3 in the conference, and Northeastern, after this loss, is 14-9, 17-4 in conference. So this was like a battle for first place with like William & Mary lurking uh, you know, down uh, the standings about a half game or a game. 
Uh, so if Charleston drops this game on the road, I mean, this is just an absolute dogfight, and then they have to do some makeup uh, uh, later on, second half of the CAA season. One of the things we talked about Charleston over the summer on the podcast was their really talented backcourt. Uh, Grant Riller and Joe Cheely. Cheely had 23 and 6 in the huge road win, and he hit two free throws, you know, late in the game, two seconds to play, under five seconds to seal the win and give them just enough padding uh, to get the road win. So Cheely and Riller. One of the most underrated backcourts in the nation. And if this team is the representative for the CAA, they might be really dangerous. Because, you know, one of the, you know, one of the standby statements that everybody kind of goes back and leans on is like, oh, well, you need guards to win in March. Guess what? This team has two great guards. Those two guys are all conference type players, uh, and they would be dangerous against anybody in the nation, whether it be mid-major, high major, or otherwise. Uh, so they, you know, Charleston. Wins the battle for first place in the CAA. Uh, okay, how about for time for some Dr. Tony trivia, right? We talked about um, uh, on the podcast last week where we tested you guys on your Big East knowledge. And we gave you, uh, you know, who was the original Big East, who were the next two members, who were the two teams that turned down the initial invite, and then who applied for inclusion in 1982 but was rejected by the conference. And appropriately so, we had an email uh, from Dr. Ben from Maryland. Uh, Dr. Ben uh, mentioned that he was a Penn State uh, graduate school graduate and got his doctorate uh, at Penn State. Uh, And he knew that Penn State uh, applied for inclusion in 1982, but was rejected for the Big East. Kudos to Dr. Ben. What up out there? Thank you for your response to the podcast. And thank you for uh, all the other listeners out there that sent in their answers. We had a couple of uh, correct answers, but due to Dr. Ben's affiliation... Uh, with the university that was named in the question. We thought we'd give him an ahoy and a shout-out. This week's trivia question. If you want to answer the trivia question via email, I think this might be the best way. S, the S podcast at gmail.com. Please hit us up. Uh, We'll let you know how you did and how you graded out uh, on the question. Dr. Tony's question this week is, name the seven Division I basketball programs who play in the city of New York. This includes all five boroughs, and if you really want to show show off and you know be fancy about it, name their respected conferences. Okay, so you got seven D1 basketball programs who play in the boundaries of the city of New York. Uh, name all seven, and then you know if you really want to show your stuff and and show that you're really on top of things, tell us their respected conferences. Little hint here, it's NEC heavy. That's uh, your hint for the, the Dr. Tony trivia question. So, uh, you know, send in your uh, answers via email. And, of course, we'll, anybody with the right answer will give you an ahoy and a shout-out on the next mid-major podcast. I like that you guys are uh, contributing, playing along to the podcast, and then adding, uh, you know, a little back and forth here. So thank you, listeners out there. It's, uh, it's kind of cool to interact with you guys this way. Guess what? I got next, man. I got next. Next game's finishing up. Oh, they just made game point. All right, I got my squad ready. I know they got ball first, but we're going to defend and get the ball back and stay on all week. Here's my squad this week. And again, in Gus Got Next, we're just going to highlight some, some ridiculous performances from the mid-major landscape that happened during the week. If, you, if I don't start with Mike Dom from South Dakota State, I'm doing something wrong, right? Guy went for 30-plus twice. He has now 25 career double-doubles. He went for 35 and 18, and then he went for 31 and 13. Man. This guy is just money. I hope he shows up on an All-American team somewhere. So you know what? I got next, 
And if we get we get stuck on the offensive end, we're going to give it to Dom. He's going to start a whole bunch of fast breaks for us with some defensive boards. You know, you know who else we got? We got Jamario Jones, New Mexico State. We mentioned him as a max value player earlier on the podcast. Said that he's one of our favorite players. Do everything undersized for for New Mexico State and the Aggies. They got their eighth straight win this week. Yeah, it's thanks to him. 13th double-double of the season. 14 points, 16 boards, 4 assists, 4 steals. The guy does just about everything for that team that they ask. And he is unbelievably selfless while doing it. Jamario Jones, New Mexico State. Yo, we got Keith Braxton. That's right. The Red Flash. 6-3, do-everything forward. Guard, do-everything basketball player from St. Francis, P.A., Went for a triple-double this week. He had 12 points, 16 boards, 10 assists, and a nice 74-60 win over FDU. By the way, the Red Flash now sit at 13-9 and 7-4 and overall in conference. So, you know, we get a, you know the ball's not going to stick with him. If we pass the Brax on the wing, he's going to move it, and he's, he just might get it to our, our final player. That's right. We also, we're running with Ed Polite Jr. of Radford. And you say, like, what? Who? My daughter and I had this game on, had it on low. She was sketching out some things with her Sharpie markers at the table. And she turns around and goes, Daddy, is his name really Ed Polite Jr.? That sounds so nice. I bet he's really nice. I bet he's kind and polite, just like his name. Something along those lines. And I was like, okay, you just made the podcast. That sounds perfect. Uh, When we were watching the game, we saw Polite take a pull-up three. He even had like a reverse dunk on a fast break. And then he had 22-8 and eight and a nice win over Gardner-Webb. So guess what? Ed Polite Jr. Radford, you running with us this week. We got next. Got Mike Dom. South Dakota State going for 30-plus twice during the week. Jamario Jones, 13th double-double of the season for New Mexico State. I got Keith Braxton, St. Francis, PA, Red Flash, putting up a triple-double and a win this week. And that's right. My daughter says that guy's got to be a nice guy. Ed Polite Jr. of Radford, 22-8. and eight. Inside, outside game we got next. We ain't getting off until next week, people. Uh, all right, guys. I think we have to talk about this uh, a tiny bit. I know that this is an ongoing subject uh, on the basketball landscape this year, unfortunately so. But it is part of the conversation, so we'll include it here. Colorado State's Coach Estacey is underneath another investigation from his university Due to his conduct. Hmm. I think we all, if you're a college basketball fan, you caught uh, part of that video where he was really adversarial uh, after a road game. So I forget who the opponent was, but to uh, an in-conference opponent outside the arena after the game. And it just seemed like a really, I don't know, for lack of a better term, trashy way to handle things. Like, be the better man and walk away from the situation, even if it is infuriating to you personally. So I guess my question is, like, how many times do you need to be investigated to for your administration or for decision makers anywhere to be like, eh, this isn't the right, this isn't the right fit. This person isn't the right person for this job. This isn't what we're trying to do with our program. And I think this falls under the same umbrella as Mike mentioned with the UConn situation where if Ollie's winning national titles, you know, we're kind of okay with him. Same thing here with Colorado State. Colorado State's winning 25 games a year. 
we're kind of good with what Coach Eustachie's doing. We might, you know, we might just ignore it. But if you're sub 500 and not winning games at the usual pace that you uh, are accustomed to, then guess what? You come under investigation for questionable decision-making on how you're handling your program and your conduct. And I think this just falls under the same umbrella of the climate change and the changing of how problems are addressed, solved, and handled across the board, and especially in college athletics as of late. And we can talk about the Felton suspension at, at UNC. We can talk about the gigantic mess at Michigan State across the board, not only athletically, but just university-wide. We can talk about the FBI investigation. We can talk about uh, the situation at Minnesota that they mishandled. You know, we can go a lot of different directions here. Here's what I think I've finally come to grips with and I have a problem with. And I think this is just the dad and me speaking. I'll never get in anybody's grill about what play they're going to run for my daughters, what score they get on a test in school, or where they sit in class, or so on, right? Like, I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep over that. Sure, you're going to be disappointed, like, you know, your daughter doesn't do well on the, on the social studies test. Sure, uh, your son, you know, doesn't get the ball in the play where it's designed for him to get the ball and, and, and things don't go according to plan. Sure. Are, are you going to get upset over like a classroom performance where, uh, you know, your son or daughter uh, doesn't perform as well on the geography test as, as you hoped and you think maybe there was an unfair question on the test? No, not really. Like those are the things that parents are not really going to care about. And those are just like teaching moments for you as a parent. Hey, this didn't go your way. Let's see what we can fix moving forward, and let's just try to get it right the next time. The thing that parents really get bent out of shape over, and you saw this firsthand, if you saw the reaction in the courtroom in the Nasser case with that one particular parent, parents want their kids safe. Parents want their kids taken care of. Parents want an environment where they don't have to think twice about where they're sending their kid every day while they go to work to try to earn a living, pay for their house, pay their bills. And that could be preschool. That could be grammar school. It could be high school. It could be higher education. It could be college where your kid's a teenager, maybe even grad school. You send your kid away. Like, good, go get your doctorate. Go to this great university. I know you'll be taken care of there. I know it's safe. I'm at ease with this. Guess what? Everything that's come out over the last six months has erased any ease or any peace of mind that parents have sending their kids anywhere. So I think as a parent, I think this makes you like hug your kid tighter. It makes you, I don't know, think twice or maybe question something that seems a little fishy. Every parent just wants their kid to be taken care of. And because of all of these things that we just listed, every parent now has that lingering doubt. That sucks. It sucks as a parent. It sucks as a kid. It's terrible for a clean program that's just trying to do the right thing. It's awful 
for a school, a sporting uh, team that does things the right way and takes great care of their kids every day and has a trusting environment that you don't have to think twice about. Because these things are so grand, so damning, and absolutely mind-blowing and just like crippling, that doubt has snuck in now. And I'm telling you as a parent, and I know there's a whole bunch of parents listening out there, that's the part that I think I've come to grips with that I have a problem with. How do decision makers, educators, teachers, administration, coaches, people that we trust our children with every day, day in, day out, fumble the ball with the one thing that we care deeply about? Is my kid safe? Is my kid taken care of? Is my kid okay? I don't care what he gets in the personal communications class. If he gets a B plus, great. She gets a C, great. I'm cool with that. We'll try to move it up next semester. I don't care the reading level that my kid is on. What basket he's picking from or she's picking from. It doesn't matter. Is my kid safe? Did he come home happy? She's smiling. She has something good to say about a friend at school. Getting along with their roommate. Are they safe? And if they're not safe, parents everywhere are just going to keep asking the same question. So this is a pivot point right here. Let's get it right moving forward. Let's get it right moving forward. Places that are so high profile, get it right moving forward. Because obviously what's been done in the past has been not even wrong. It's been worse than wrong. Let's get it right moving forward. All right, guys, let's uh, finish the pod on a positive note. What do you say? Do a little game rundown. Um, again, if you have other thoughts on that, you know, please hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. SES Podcast, Efficiency of Keystrokes, of course. Uh, let us know your trivia answer and maybe your thoughts on this topic in general. Uh, email, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, love to interact with you guys that way. Uh, so please let us know your thoughts on this if you have anything moving forward. Uh, you can tell by the tone in my voice that, you know, this this is something I've been thinking about a lot and not just for the podcast, but just for my own personal, you know, life with my own daughters, you know, sending them off to school every day. Uh, by the way, I'm very happy with where I send my daughters personally. Uh, so let's hit up Friday nights. Uh, love their teachers. They're fabulous people. Kudos to their school. Uh, Friday night. Harvard, Columbia. Harvard undefeated in conference, going to see Mike Smith, potential player of the year in Columbia, road game for Harvard. It's like their third or fourth road game in a row. Are they going to stay undefeated in conference? I think they are. I think they're going to squeak it out by three or four points. I think Mike Smith might go for his, but give me Harvard on the road, continuing their undefeated streak in the Ivy. How about uh, uh, you or I going to VCU? Man, if this game is tight, second half, tune into this game, right? That, 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 that's going to be an environment to behold. You know VCU fans are going to be fired up for that game. They want, like, this is this is like one of those games where you want that that program needs that, like, defining win for their season. So at the end of the year dinner, they can say, and the highlight of the year was we defeated nationally ranked blank, right? That's This is their opportunity for that. So I bet this is going to be a very, very, very live uh, environment. Uh, now, how about Western Michigan heading to Buffalo? Buffalo stay on the slide here after dropping the game to Kent State? Or do they get right against Western Michigan? Western Michigan, no push over here. I think I'm going to take Buffalo at home, but maybe it's a little bit closer than you think. So maybe uh, Western Michigan and the points. I don't have the points spread in front of me. 
Uh, how about some Saturday games? BYU going to Gonzaga? <sighs> I bet Gonzaga has last year's game in their mental Rolodex about how uh, things went down during senior day. Uh, and I bet Gonzaga comes back, gets right. And I bet this is like a 20-point game against BYU. This reminds me of kind of like uh, when Creighton came in. Uh, I think it'll be tight first half, high scoring, and then Gonzaga pulls away second half. Uh, how about Duke going to St. John's? One of the best teams in the country, going to the best arena in the country. Always cool, right? Uh, I bet there's as much blue as there is red there. Uh, let's hope Shamori Pons puts on a show, right? Let's hope he goes off for like 30-plus against Duke, keeps this game kind of interesting, and then Duke pulls away in the second half. How about that? Uh, Cincy UConn? Again, we mentioned UConn as part of like the messiness that is part of our sport this season, unfortunately. And I think that fog continues here. And I can see Cincy winning big. I don't see UConn rallying around this and using this as a galvanizing uh, factor for their season moving forward. I see it as pivoting the other way and saying, ugh, this is just, we're just going to continue our woes here. So give me Cincy big there. Uh, Oak State at Kansas. I think Kansas will continue its illusionist act uh, and uh, win a game uh, that might be a little tight early in the first half, and then uh, Kansas pulls away late. So give me Kansas by about uh, 10 or 11 there. Uh, Miami, Virginia Tech. Uh, two games that ha- two teams that have been ranked uh, earlier this season at various times. Uh, this is a big resume game for both of those teams moving forward. We'll get to another one of those games a little bit down the ladder here. Give me Buzz at home. I'm not sure if Miami has things figured out offensively. You do like their pieces and their parts, but it just seems like that it's not all connected and clicking the way it should be. So give me uh, give me the Hokies at home there. How about Kentucky and Mizzou, right? This is one of like those games that like preseason looked awesome and you were kind of looking forward to it with Kentucky's like as Mike likes to say like it's 38 stars coming in and uh, possibly the number 1 draft pick in uh, Porter Jr. for uh, Missouri. And now it's kind of lost a little bit of luster. Does Kentucky continue uh, and get a three-game winning streak going here after the nice overtime win against Vandy and the great road win against uh, West Virginia? Not sure, but you know what? If I'm leaning one way, I'm going to say give me Kentucky. I bet Missouri plays it close, but give me Kentucky by four on the road. Texas Tech, TCU. I'm going to say Texas Tech suffers the big game hangover. They won the big in-state rival game against Texas in overtime on their home floor. I think they go to Texas. I think they go to TCU, and I think they drop this game. I think they're a little flat. I think TCU needs this moving forward. So give me TCU in a slight upset over Texas Tech at home. Providence Marquette, another one of those resume games. Both teams kind of on the bubble, maybe looking at a like a 9, 10, 11 seed somewhere in there. I'm going to say give me Marquette at home. I know Providence has talent. I love Cooley as a coach. I think he's really sharp, really invests in his players and empowers his players. Give me Marquette at home and give me one of those guys to go off for like 30-plus, whether it be Howard or Rousey, right? Kansas State at West Virginia. I think Kansas State is going to run into a buzzsaw here. And I think West Virginia does this every season, right, where they run into this little swoon. Uh, usually right around Valentine's Day. And this falls into one of the things that Mike and I have talked about on the podcast in the past, like where a team only has a certain amount of efforts each season. You know, the great teams have multiple efforts. Uh, average teams have a couple of those big efforts. And, you know, the 
you know, the middling teams have one or two, and you they you know get that upset or that big win once during the season. I think VC. I, I think West Virginia just needed to go home. I think they need to go home, recharge, reboot, get a little energized. And I think they can now get it rolling again. So give me West Virginia at home here. Although they're both neck and neck in the standings, so this is a big game for the Big 12 standings. How about USC going to UCLA? I like USC on the road here. I still like their pieces. They went into like a similar tailspin that maybe we can, you know, throw Arizona and Purdue in earlier in this season, and then they've come out of it. And I feel like maybe USC just hit it mid-season here, and maybe they're coming out of it now, and maybe this UCLA game is part of that healing process. Uh, so give me a road win for the Trojans. How about Oklahoma at Texas? And I think this ties in perfectly uh, to the Texas Tech TCU game. I think Texas tasted it. I think they felt they were so close. I think that uh, Coleman and Roche and Davis Jr. match up with Trey Young on the perimeter and maybe make it really difficult for him on that uh, second and third touch. And maybe Trey Young goes for his points and get his gets his 30, but maybe it's an inefficient 30. Give me Texas at home. I can see Bamba being impactful with a, like a 20-14, 5-block type game. Uh, and you know what Texas has been doing? They've been going to Osakowski late shot clock. I can see him them doing that a couple of times here. And then he outdueling Trey in that late shot clock situation, which is crazy if you think about that script. So give me Texas at home in a slight upset. Uh, you hope that Boise holds, holds serve against UNLV to continue to give that uh, Boise State-Nevada game the juice that we all want it to have. Uh, but I'm going to say maybe uh, McCoy makes it difficult for Boise inside, and this game might be a little bit closer than you think, but give me Boise at home there. And then how about Arizona getting a big win on the road at Washington? Washington's been playing at their pace. They've been forcing the other teams to play their game. Does Arizona operate well in those long offensive shot clock situations on offense? And can they defend for those extended amount of times on defense when Washington's trying to just, you know, stretch the game out as long as they can to limit possessions? I think Arizona does, and the way I think they do it is Trier is really efficient on the perimeter, and I think Aiton gets some easy put-back baskets due to Washington's zone and their lack of assignments on the box-out on the defensive end. That way Aiton can get a couple of offensive rebounds easily, so maybe those easy points are the difference, and give me Arizona by about six on the road there. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our old school listeners out there that you know have been loyal since day one and been you know one of the you know group of the first hundred listeners that uh, uh, tuned in when we you know put this thing out a year ago. And we wanted to welcome in all of the new listeners, all you new guys out there. Thank you so much, new girls, new guys, new families. Uh, we look at you as just like you know new friends that we're waiting to turn into old friends and get to know a little bit better. So uh, uh, please enjoy the journey with us. We're happy that you're giving the Screen the Screener podcast a part of your week and and you know we're honored that you give up some of your time to let us be in your earbuds and educate you on the college basketball game and entertain you along the way so cheers cilantro arigato gratulatia to all of that thank you thank you i